Fandom University. Every other week, we deep dive into the topics we love and obsess over. Comics, novels, movies, sci-fi, and video games receive the elevated discourse they deserve. With your overworked TAs, Sean and Sergio. Hello and welcome to a special mini-mester edition of Fandom University. My name is Sergio. And mine is Sean. For this episode, we're, we're going to enter the Matrix. We're going to dive into the Matrix, uh, do a quick mini-mester version of the, of the entire trilogy, plus the new, the new offering, Matrix Resurrections. We might even talk about the video games a little bit. We, uh, we, we certainly dabbled in those uh, uh, to prepare for this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's just let's let's dive into it. I've I have missed all of you, every single person listening. I have yes. missed you all. Yes, even you. I know what you're thinking. I, he's he means everyone but me, but no, especially you. Yeah. Especially you. We see you. You're seen by Sean and, and Sergio. Loved. And by and Fandom University. Um, so the Matrix. Matrix came out in 1999. We were 16. Well, I was 16. You were about to be 16. Yeah, it was uh this movie. I remember Sean came home and watched it or he watched it, came home, called me at like, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night, which, you know, it wasn't, uh, unforeseen, you know, was, but it was a little, a little odd. And basically all he told me was you, I just came home from the matrix. You need to watch this movie as soon as possible. <laughs> and I feel like it was as close to what, um, what we could get, uh, it was, like, it was as like it's a, kind of like a Star Wars for our generation, as close as we could get to that. What the yeah. kids got in '77 with that movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was. Yeah, I remember it just blew the top of my head off. It was the first DVD I ever bought. Um, yeah, that that's. I saw a, a Twitter uh, thread recently that was like, when you think of DVDs, when you think of the DVD format, what movies do you think of? And immediately I thought of The Matrix with that weird sort of latch uh, binding. Those and, that Warner Brothers used to do with all their DVDs, it was awful. And also Fight Club with the the brown packaging, like the brown, yes. like the brown, uh, like packaging looking like uh, package. I miss, um, and I understand why because everything streaming and physical media is basically dead. And there are still companies that do really cool packaging, like Scream and Shout. But like, I miss the the era whenever like that was de facto like when you got a dvd special edition it felt like you were buying like a an album you know or something like that um like just looking at um of course the matrix didn't look that way so. no which was surprising because it was a very bare bones movie for a film that uh that was groundbreaking in many different ways um uh visually technically uh and like the when I compare it to Star Wars, you know, it's very I feel it's very apt because you know Star Wars was you know it was transcendent in in what people thought you know movies could could do like what movies were capable of, even if the story itself was a little rote and trite, uh, it didn't matter because everything around it made up for it. You know, it did, the story didn't have to be groundbreaking when everything else around it was. Right. It was a. It was a classic story with a modern twist. And I think that's, you know, that's as close with a big blockbuster as you could you could ask for, uh, you know, is, or, or, or the, the most unique, I guess, or the best you could ask for, for a, from a big blockbuster is 
you know, it's not going to alienate its audience, but um, I mean, it's a it's a tried and true story that that the that the mainstream audience can understand with enough nuance that obviously, you know, we're still talking about it 20 years later that, you know, books and and essays have been written about its philosophy and its ideas and its themes. I've read uh, some of those books. And so, uh, but I mean, like it was it was it was a game changer for, for lack of a better term. And, you know, I remember watching it for the first time and thinking like, I've never seen anything like this. And that's always exciting because as many movies that, as, you know, I was only 16, but I, I you know, being sort of a, a painfully shy uh, nerd, you know, I'd seen by that point, a lot of movies. Right. Uh, and so, uh, and I, and to this point, like, you know, this is at this point, like I, there, there's still many, uh, many movies, you know, Matrix is, is unlike still to this day, so many uh, other films that have come after it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I'm trying to think of like, what ha- I mean, there've been movies that have tried to change the game since then that were conscious choice choices like uh peter jackson filming the hobbit in 48 frames per second or um uh avatar you know with with its really intense um you know upgrade of like what visual effects supposedly could do um and i don't feel like either of those kind of have stuck in the public consciousness uh the way the matrix did uh you know the both both were, were hits um you know, and I'm sure that the next Avatar movie is going to be a huge hit when it comes out next year, I think, or 2023. It keeps getting pushed back. Who knows? I, I hope to see it before I die. Um, uh, well, I, I think that's also that's a testament to I don't want to sound like I like I'm like I'm lambasting the story because, uh, you know, the story is very well done. Like I said, I, you know, maybe wrote and trite is isn't the proper term, but, you know, it's 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 a story that um, that has been done before. It's not anything unique. You know, it's uh, the same way, like uh, like West Side Story is is Romeo and Juliet. The same way Titanic is Romeo and Juliet. Uh, you know, these are stories that have been done. Like you said, it's it's a, it's a, it's a familiar story with a modern twist, and uh, but the the way it's <coughs> and it's done very well. And so that's also probably why it's 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 stuck so much with uh, in the public consciousness. That's true. Yeah, um, I think that it's got a big heart too. Like it's actually, a, uh, like for a movie that looks as grimy as it does, it's actually kind of a, and what you find out the more Wachowski stuff you, we watch over the years is that they're just big softies. They just love, love. Um, yeah. That's not, that's never more evident than with resurrections, which we'll get to. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but there's a very sweet little love story at the core of the matrix, which, seems a little surface in the first entry but like the deeper you get into the trilogy i feel like they just keep strength that's one thing that does get better as the movies go is like that bond between neo and trinity um i think might be one of the the things that still pulls me through when i rewatch is like okay i want to see what happens to these two for sure yeah those those two characters, like you said, in the, in the first movie, it's a little surface. It's like, okay, so why does this woman supposedly love the one? Like, uh, like why is she already fallen for this person? Um, but yeah, like as as you as her story unfolds through the through Reloaded and Revolutions, and then through Resurrections, which it it's definitely the forefront. It's the it's it's the crux of the entire film. Like their love story gets like it gets gets even gets all the more better. Uh, so yeah, so Matrix. 99 like i said it's the uh, changes what 
what I felt movies were capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like I was looking up Keanu Reeves' career. I wouldn't say that he was um, like I, I wasn't. It wasn't a career resurrection for him because he had only because he had done Speed just four years prior. Um, but it definitely uh, kept him in the limelight when uh, when like you know Speed was probably like you know the the biggest thing he'd done. It had been a few years, but it kind of reminded everyone like, oh, hey, Keanu's still around. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember, so in 1998, I think it was, I went to see Wing Commander with Freddie Prince Jr. and Matthew Lillard because there was going to be a trailer for Phantom Menace in front of it. A classic, yes. Yes, a classic. Um, so I went to see one classic so I could get a nut- look at a, another forthcoming classic. Oh. And um, I saw two trailers in addition to that. The first one was The 13th Floor. And the next one was the matrix. And I remember they showed the trailers back to back. And I remember thinking when I saw the matrix, didn't I just see the same trailer with the 13th floor, which I think also deals with noir and virtual worlds. Although I think it approaches it in a very different way. So like, to me, I thought like Keanu's probably a sign. I shouldn't watch this. Like this isn't this, you know, I had no idea what I was in for and somebody else talked, uh, a, a mutual friend of ours talked me into going to see it with him. And I'm so glad that he did because um, I was, I was completely surprised um, by how much I enjoyed the movie. Like, I think it was pretty common, at least when we were that age to sort of make fun of Keanu as a bad actor. Yeah. And that's, that's something he's definitely, uh, he's like, uh, he's found his range. Yeah. You know, through this tr- through this trilogy, through the John Wick trilogy, uh, he's kind of come into his own. He's realized, like you know, what he's best at, and sort of uh, tweaking that sort of performance based on the role. Yeah, exactly. Um, so much so that whenever I watch the original Matrix now, like I I remember watching it and kind of laughing at his performance the first time, but now watching it, I'm like, no, that feels right. Like I think we also got more used to him as a performer. Or something, I don't know, or we're, we're, we're less, or I'm less rooting for him to fail like I was when I was a shitty 16-year-old piece of shit. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you weren't a, a piece of shit at 16, then what, 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 what were you were doing? You? What were you doing? <laughs> um, no, yeah, because like he, he was in Bram Stoker's Dracula, and he was oh, doing that yeah. terrible like English accent. And just sort of like whenever he sort of like tried to go beyond like a, like a, teenage like a dumb teenage metalhead or uh uh stalwarts like stoic cop trying to keep a bus from going under 50 uh when he like sort of like went out of his uh comfort zone it seemed like uh at least to the public it seemed like you know he, he wasn't really ready for that but uh you know preparing for this show like i was reading about his career and he actually played hamlet in a like a state at a stage uh, performance of hamlet and one of the critics said like he was amazing like he was transcendent like he was really good uh and so i don't know i don't know what it is i mean maybe sometimes he's just on and like maybe some he just he clicks with the material and sometimes he doesn't i don't you know maybe i could see him being a good hamlet because hamlet's a very introspective character right like yeah. he's given to a lot of pondering which is odd. so i think something that Keanu does very well is sort of stillness um, and introspection. Like he's very good at communicating that. They they get a lot of mileage out of that in all four Matrix movies. I feel like, right, right. Um, so so I could I could definitely see like that that being in his range too. Um, but but maybe you're right. Maybe it is just sometimes it clicks, sometimes it doesn't. Not every not every not every uh, time at bat is a home run. 
to to use a sports ball metaphor. <laughs> sports ball. And before uh, before we move on to the the subsequent films, um, you know something that has become more and more obvious throughout the years, uh, you know the Wachowskis, uh, you know uh, transitioned. You know they're now known as their the Wachowskis have transitioned. They are Lana and Lily Wachowski. Uh, you know these are women that uh, at the time when the when the Matrix came out. Uh, they were, you know, they were presenting as men. And, and I, if, uh, like, if I misspeak, uh, you know, if I, my, my terminology is off, it's not due to any disrespect. It's, it's due to ignorance. Uh, and if, you know, if I, if I'm to be corrected, you know, please do so because I have nothing but the utmost respect uh, for, uh, for all people who are tolerant and, and kind. <laughs> so, yes, it, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, so uh, you know, when the Matrix came out, you know, they uh, were the Wachowski brothers, they both transitioned. And uh, there was, a, you know, it, it was argued for a long time that, the, you know, because of that, that the Matrix could be read as a trans allegory. And I, I posit that it is, it, it can't be, it's not that a matter of could, it, it is absolutely a trans allegory. You know, this is a story of a person who, like in the words of, uh, of Agent Smith, is living two lives, you know, a seemingly normal life of, you know, someone who pays their taxes, you know, like quote unquote normal, uh, and then a, a deviant lifestyle, you know, uh, in, in his case, uh, the life of a hacker. Um, and so, you know, and then there's just the way Agent Smith, you know, consistently dead names Keanu's character, you know, uh, Mr. Anderson, and sort of the emphasis he also puts on the Mr. The, uh, that before I just thought it was a, a cool Hugo weaving reading. And right. now like there, now I know, like I can understand the subtext behind it. And, you know, it, and it, and then there's a scene where he, you know, he calls him, you know, Mr. Anderson towards the end of the movie when he's choking him out. And he said, and Keanu says, my name is Neo. Like he like, officially like takes on that name. And, uh, and it's, what's crazy to me is people, like, especially with this new movie talking about like, oh, you know, like keep the leftist woke politics out of the matrix. Like it is <laughs> leftist woke at like at its core. Like it's a movie about two people. It's a, and like, I've read interviews with both of them and they would say that. Uh, with both of the Wachowskis? Yes. Well, okay. I mean like uh, separate interviews mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, there was, you know, some sort of like recognition, but, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, like, you know, like you and I are both writers, uh, uh, you obviously more established than, than myself, you know, whatever I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to make a big thing of it. Uh, <laughs> but you know, often, you know, and I, I found this with my work and I find this with other people's work that I've talked to, uh, like, uh, where I, there, I, I read something a certain way, or I, you know, I, I interpret something of their art a certain way. And, and then I ask like, did you mean that? And then sometimes it's, you know what, like I might have, like, actually, now that I think about it, like, you know, I was going through something or I had, did have something on my mind during that time. And like that sort of subconsciously uh, finds its way into the art. Yeah. Yeah. And those, I know in a way that's one of the, for me at least uh, um, has been one of the most rewarding things about publishing my novel was um, 
getting to do interviews with people who'd really read the book and like had questions that I didn't immediately have an answer for, you know, because they'd seen something that I hadn't seen. So it's like, it's almost like, like you're getting something back too. You're learning about yourself, what actually matters to you in ways that you didn't even know. It's, it's one of the most rewarding parts of the job. No. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, you, you, you often make choices, like artists often make choices that they don't fully understand. It just feels right. Right. You know, they just, it just works somehow. And then, like you said, like it's, you know, it, it's sometimes up to the, the viewer or the reader to help the artist then unpack it. And I firmly believe that's what, that's, what's going on with the matrix, you know, with the Wachowskis, you know, um, the feelings that, that they both had, you know, the, uh, the experiences that they had lived up to that point, you know, went into this movie and definitely informed it. And, you know, anyone who, who, uh, who feels that, you know, this is, you know, this interpretation is, is just more, you know, of the, you know, left mob and woke politics, like you're absolutely 100% wrong, <laughs> like 100, like, you know, and I always, you know, I'd like to say that, you know, like, well, arts, you know, everyone arts up open to interpretation, you know, but uh, I mean, the, the red pill that, that one takes to, you know, free their mind to become who they really are uh, is the same color that estrogen pills were in the nineties. Uh, you know, so that's a even more like overt reference to like, the the message that the Wachowskis were trying to portray uh and uh and like it's what's you know what's it's baffling like how this sort of like idea has been co-opted by people who don't seem to understand the uh, the point of the movie like there was like I, I i can't find a better way to encapsulate it other than um uh, elon musk had tweeted out <laughs> uh take the red pill ivanka trump uh, reply taken to which Lana Wachowski replied to both of them fuck both of you <laughs> <laughs> makes me so happy it makes me the happiest little boy um so yeah I mean like and as a 16 year old I definitely didn't see it uh but then you know as uh you know having known knowing um the uh like the personal you know some personal details from the Wachowskis and now like you know having you know lived twice as long uh a little more than twice as long it's fairly obvious that this that's what this story is about yeah and I mean in earlier drafts of the script from what I understand the character of Switch who's one of the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar actually was one gender in the quote-unquote real world and another in the matrix itself so like it wasn't even if they like it was swimming close to the surface you know even no, yeah. if they backed off from it in the final film like exactly it's there yeah. switch uh is is a woman in in the real world and presents as a man in the matrix uh so yeah like it's you know it's definitely it's it seems like that's uh you know the Wachowski. that's something that they wanted uh to to grapple with even if they weren't ready to make the entire make it so obvious that the entire story is about this but you know i i firmly believe that this it's exactly what you know that this this is this it could this isn't that it could be read as a trans allegory that it absolutely is a trans allegory 
well and there's also something of the um of smith and self-loathing and why neo bothers him so much like no yeah absolutely you know smith represents this sort of um uh like the the company the system, man, the company yeah. man, the, the the status quo, normalcy, uh, and and there's yeah, there's something like you know what about Neo like irks Agent Smith so much like like he like is hunting down Morpheus like he hunts down Trinity, but there's something per- it seems like there's something personal about Neo that uh, that Agent Smith like wants to snuff him out. Yeah, it's and. I think that also plays out across the sequels because that, that obsession grows to like a megalomania so much so that like by the time you get to the third movie, Smith has taken over the entire world of the matrix as far as we know. And Neo is the only thing he hasn't got his hands on yet. And also I think there's something about envy. I mean, he talks about wanting out of the matrix, right? Like whatever he's, you know, interrogating Morpheus and maybe some jealousy there too, that these people actually can find freedom, especially since he considers them lower or lesser yeah. than him. Um, you know, and that whenever he is set free, you know, he's still so tied up with that system that like he all he wants to do is like fuck shit up. He isn't interested in helping or changing, like he's just pure destruction. Yeah, he's he's damaged by that point. Uh, yeah. like he doesn't. Like he, uh, you know, he's he's so damaged to the point that he can't, like, like you said, once he's free, he can't, like, he continues to take his rage out and his anger out on not only uh, the people he feels are responsible, but the entire system as well. Yeah, and um, and that's one of the things I really do like about the sequels that I feel like. Um, is really interesting and um, plays out in a way that to me is very satisfactory. And also in the new one kind of plays out in a way that I was pretty uh, intrigued by, uh, which we'll get to momentarily. But do you remember what it was like sitting through the Matrix Reloaded for the first time? We went to a midnight show. I think we all ended up in different theaters because like everybody in the world had turned up to the mall to see. Um, I remember I was sitting on like the front row like in a corner so i was like watching the movie like <laughs> like, like neck, neck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like i was gonna break my own neck trying to watch it um which is pretty intense but <clears throat> i remember feeling almost at once that something was a little bit off like at what point did you feel like or well i remember walking out of it you you came out of it i remember you said something along the lines of amazing action lousy story was was your first like and again not that you're married to that forever but i remember you saying something to that effect and i was just feeling a lot more confused about what i just watched period <laughs> uh i thought and you know we rewatched them you know to prepare for this and it it sort of feels like uh like the wachowski sort of get lost a little and the aesthetic that they've created and um, like you have all these, and this is this goes through the through Reloaded and Revolutions. They have all these like quirky characters, like the Merovingian and the Keymaker, and then the the sub the the train guy. I can't remember his name, but like the, the train man, the train man, like the homeless looking train man. Like uh, they have all these like sort of like quirky characters when, uh, and it seems like they like you know, it's it's a little um, like they're just having a little too much fun in the kitchen, you know. Uh, and then also like, you know, I, I feel obviously like there's, you know, and they, you know, it, 
Lana speaks to this in in the resurrections, the idea of like having to having to create something, not because you know your artistic spirit feels the need to to create it, but because uh, you know the company wants you to. <laughs> and so uh, and so there's I feel that uh, reloaded revolutions would have worked better as a single film, like a single three hour film. Uh, and you know, cut out a lot of fluff and just really like, you know, like, like, uh, point the, you know, get the story down to like a laser focus. Cause I feel like there's a lot of, you know, pontificating and, and like not pseudo intellectualism, but sort of like, you know, like I feel a lot of padding that is unnecessary. A lot of wallowing in, in, uh, philosophical debates, especially the second one. The second one is like monologue after monologue after monologue. And it's yeah. Neo just listening to different characters yeah. talk. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of amazing to, to think about, but it's not much fun to watch. Like it's like he's going on the spiritual journey and these different programs are presenting him with these, well, not even programs. Like Can- real life Counselor people, Haman yeah. does it too. Like are presenting him with these different arguments, these different worldviews. Um, and then it comes to a crisis point at the end of the movie. The problem is that it doesn't quite work as drama, right? Like it just sort of, um, it feels very slow. Like it takes the movie a long time to get going. It, I think we're almost an hour in by the time Neo goes to see the Oracle, which yeah. is like, to me, the end of the first act. <laughs> like that's, that's where the movie actually starts, you know, the action, but that's almost halfway through its runtime. And there's, and I, I feel like the action scenes feel like a lot of padding too. Like there's not as much tension in them. In the original film, the action scenes, like they're beautifully shot, but they're also very viscerally intense. Like you feel those punches. Like when Neo's getting the shit kicked out of him by Agent Smith in the train station and finally learns how to start fighting back, like you feel all of that. Whereas this time it feels. It's a little too slick, a little too produced. It's kind of like that, that indie band whose like first album is amazing. And because of that, that, you know, they, they get signed to the major label and, you know, their major label debut is, is, doesn't feel the same because, you know, they've, they've got the money, they, they got the, they've got the, the technology to do things seemingly better, but that's not, you know, why we fell in love with it in the first place. Right. And I feel like part of the problem is that Neo never feels particularly vulnerable because he's already the one but he's not doing anything super interesting with his powers except now he can fly and he has jedi telekinetic powers you know it's not there's you know like the 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 phrase that we're given in the first movie is that there was a man born in the matrix who could change things yeah like which implies like he could like rearrange what the matrix actually was and and maybe that's part of the point but he he's acting more like a superhero than a messiah right yeah like yeah he, yeah that's a that's a really good point i mean like if he is so powerful like why is he still like having to like you know fight with like the, the, the low life thugs of the matrix you know like like sure granted like you know they they can sort of like float and 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 they know kung fu too but i mean this is a guy who can stop bullets you know, like, so, like, why is he still sort of like, you know, throwing like hands with them? Like, why isn't he just like, you know, flinging them up into the air, like, or like boxing or like recoding the matrix and like putting them in a box or something. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if that's because, I mean, he, he does say early in the second movie, I just wish I knew what I'm supposed to do. 
And then he finds out what he's supposed to do at the end of the movie, which is just restart the whole party over again for the next generation. Um, and so maybe that idea is that his powers don't actually go that far or he's or or that that prophecy is a bit overblown to help people buy into that religion like it, he is going to change everything yeah. um yeah. and then he ends up actually doing it but not but but in spite of the prophecy almost rather than because of it um so and, I, I don't and know in a way that you know was unforeseen right and unexpected yeah which which i also really love about the third movie but the second one in particular to me like really is a tough rewatch, even though it technically is the one that feels more like a matrix movie yeah no i i uh going into the rewatch i thought like okay like i'll like you know i'll somewhat enjoy reload and i'll have to like sit through revolution <laughs> but it was the opposite it was the opposite reaction like i like watching reload i'm like damn like this is not that great of a movie this is definitely not as good as i remember it and i thought revolutions was a lot more uh was a lot more enjoyable because a lot of it had to do with uh, you know going back to a point that we we're talking about at the beginning a, a lot of it uh had to do with the relationship between neo and trinity you know it had to do with you know uh what they were going through as a couple you know the sort of sacrifices that each of them was making for each other and uh and I thought, like you said, like that's where the story is at its strongest. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like the pacing is better. The action sequences have actual weight because like people are dying. I feel like the battle in Zion is pretty intense. I, I love the sequence with Niobe flying the ship, trying to get to the gate. Like all of that to me still works. Like, and it's amazing because these are characters that I didn't really care about in the last movie, but now suddenly they're put up against the wall and the Wachowskis are doing what they do best, which is really intense you know amazingly shot action um that has dramatic weight behind it and i think that's where it starts working for me again um like there's only one sequence in the movie that just feels like a reloaded redo so to speak mm -hmm. which is uh when they go to the club when seraph and morpheus and trinity are in the the coat check room or whatever and they're the, all the guys with guns oh, and right, running right, on yeah. the ceiling and that feels boring but once once they get neo back the rest of that movie i love it i love it so much like it feels like the world is ending you know smith taking over um like killing santi and seraph or taking over i guess and, yeah. and the oracle um like it it's scary it feels like important things are happening like the story is finally moving um, right and yeah and that final battle you know where like <laughs> neo fights and fights and fights before he realizes like oh i just have to give in here like you know and i guess that tell me what you think happens there here's uh, i've got a theory but i've I'm, i've always been a little confused so what do you think is happening in that final moment when smith takes him over I think that um, because, uh, you know, Smith is born, like, I I feel like it's like um, sort of like that yin and yang, sort of like, a, you know, you know, for every action, there's an opposite reaction sort of thing. Uh, like, you know, because uh, Neo exists, Smith, ex Smith exists, and, you know, it's a sort of, they sort of cancel each other out. And so, you know, neo essentially tricks smith into destroying himself 
by sort of like, you know, adding himself or like subtracting, you know, sort of like, you know, I don't know, like how to explain, like, you know, like, you know, Neo is a two and Smith is a negative two. Right. And And they cancel each other out. And so by, you know, by Smith, you know, by Neo tricking Smith into like jumping into him, they go, they're, they're going, they're resetting back to zero. I'm, that that makes sense. I, I wondered if it was like, you know, and it also mirrors the end of the first movie when Neo literally jumps into Smith and explodes yeah. him. Um, like almost the exact same thing happens well, I, and again. That, and well, that's, I think that's what jump-started the, the Smith virus. Like, uh, virus, yeah, is Neo doing that. And so because Neo's plugged in in the machine city, they can send like you see them sending a pulse through the, the the cables that are attached to him. So I guess like symbolically what you're saying is there. And I think maybe mechanically what's happening is the machines are just basically now that Neo's part of that system, they can blow it apart. Yeah, like the, yeah, exactly. Like you know, now that you know, or Smith you know, Smith has removed himself from you know from the machine's control. Right. But now that he is like in, like now that he's jumped into Neo and Neo is like plugged in into the machines, they now have a control of Smith again. Right. And because Neo's, I guess they couldn't have done it through any of the other people that's, that are plugged into the Matrix because Neo does have power that seems to extend beyond just the Matrix itself. We like he, you know, that was another thing I really loved is his, what he sees after he goes blind. Yep. Like the golden light. And, also, the idea that they complicate the narrative. Suddenly, the programs are people, too. We're supposed to care about them. And I think that threw a lot of the audience for a loop, right? I, I think that's part of why the movie didn't do very well. But I remember being like, oh, hell yes. <laughs> Whenever I saw that scene where he's talking to the dad in the train station, you know? No, yeah. That's, who... You know, oh, it, it definitely muddies the water as far as like, you know, okay, like, the real people are the good guys and the programs are the bad guys. And then, like you said, it, it, you know, we got the key maker who's a program, you know, and it starts off with the Oracle, but like the Oracle, I guess, is that exception that proves the rule, you know, like we have the one that we can trust. Uh, But then, you know, like you said, we have all these others that, you know, are, you know, you know, made created by quote unquote, the enemy, but, you know, are still, you know, we can relate to, you know, like this is this, the Santi's father, uh, is a program just like Agent Smith is, um, but yet you know his uh, his goal is to protect his wife and his child, which is as uh, you know as human as as it can get to you know protecting one's family, and so yeah, like I, I think you know that, that like you said, it definitely uh, you know fluffs up the na- the narrative a little bit, and might have been it might have had some reason why it didn't do as well, why it wasn't as received. Well, it also, it's sort of a down ending, right? Because Neo dies, Trinity dies, and the war is over, but the Matrix is still standing. Like, it's not very 90s action movie. Like, it, it's really pretty bold to not blow up the Matrix at the end of the third Matrix movie, to actually yeah. have it still intact. And I remember walking out of the theater, the first time I saw it, I saw it at like a matinee right after I got out of class, I was still at TCC, Tarrant County College. Um, and just being really confused, but like, like, I think I loved that, but also I'm not sure. And I went back to see it like two more times um, and then decided like, yeah, I do like this a lot. Um, 
and it's it's been one that's always worked for me and it's it's interesting i seem to be off of the um the 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 majority's taste on that one but i i really love it and we also seem to be off the uh, majority taste when it comes to resurrections it's both critically and audience uh ratings are both the critic and the audience ratings at rotten tomatoes are sitting around in the the low 60s oh it's Uh, still dropping (laughs) Well, I, wasn't it? Uh, it was it like was, 66 and 64. Oh, yeah, yeah like somewhere it. somewhere low to mid 60s, <laughs> uh, which is surprising that uh, usually, uh, you know, we'll see movies that are, you know, not as crit- critically received as well, like 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 Eternals. You know, mm-hmm. the critics sort of, uh, you know, were hit or miss on it, but the audience rating, it was, it was very much loved. Um, or, you know, so the only time you ever see like really like the audience and the critics agreeing is on a movie that's almost universally beloved like uh like toy story 2 right where like just everyone likes it uh or paddington 2 um but you know this is a rare instance where uh a movie gets a lukewarm response from from both sectors uh i i thought it was great i thought it was uh just so interesting in many different ways it you know it didn't go for the the easy sort of reboot uh like idea although it is sort of a reboot and it didn't go for like it didn't uh go for like the easy uh like sequel either even though it also is a sequel it's and the the best thing that it could have done was like I said it focuses on the love story it's at its core a love story between Neo and Trinity it's like once like those two actually are able to touch like physically touch that's when shit gets real that's when right. that's when the you know the analyst who is now Neil Patrick Harris's character the analyst who's now behind you know running the Matrix that's when you know his his shit's fucked yeah it's um. Well, you know, I the the movie I thought about the most while we were watching uh, Resurrections was The Force Awakens, and I was thinking that this movie, even though it doesn't seem to be nearly as big a crowd pleaser as The Force Awakens, does what I actually wanted The Force Awakens to do, which is it moves the story forward. Yeah, it still looks like the Matrix. It still feels like the Matrix, but it's new. It's different. And it hasn't just hit the reset button. That is the one thing I hated so much about the sequel trilogy was like, it basically says everything that happened at the end of Return of the Jedi doesn't matter. We're yeah. back to Empire and Rebels, baby. We're calling them something different. Yeah, there's so, there's something that's like, it's the same thing with the new paint job. And uh, yeah, like, and like people don't even believe in the fucking force anymore. <laughs> like, like, uh, like, yeah. And, and so I think what this movie does is so brilliant because it does acknowledge what came before but still finds a way to make neo have to go through his own journey of self-discovery again but in a way that feels earned rather than just like oh jesus christ we got to sit through this again like it feels like especially that section of the movie where before he kind of wakes up essentially felt very personal to me like i felt like there was a lot of lana wachowski in that like in terms of just like that sense of kind of being trapped by the past and confused and driven by corporate and just sort of not knowing, 
knowing something doesn't feel right and not sure what to do about it. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really lovely and really caught me up in the story very quickly, more, more quickly than I would have guessed. Like, it's like the opening scene when they're in the modal with the, the new Morpheus and, Oh, what was her name? The, the new bugs kid. bugs. Yeah. was fun. But like, as soon as we get to, you know, Thomas Anderson again, I'm just like, Oh shit, I'm in. Um, like if they found a way to make that love story even more important, even stronger and more integral to the story itself, um, which is so exciting to me. Yeah, and I, I loved how um, I, I feel it's a bit of a course correct on Lana's part to like Trinity's character is, is elevated to the point where she's an equal to Neo now. It's not just like Neo and his best gal, Trinity, you know, it, Trinity, there's a scene at the end where they need to jump. And rather than Neo being the one to fly, it's Trinity. Trinity, like, you know, keeps Neo from falling. And I and just I thought, about cried. Dude, it <laughs> was, was so great. Happy. It was because, you know, it's, you know, it, it shows how, you know, Neo and, you know, and maybe, you know, obviously like you've always put your, like, you know, your personal like life and beliefs into like your opinions. Right. right. You know, like I've, I've learned over the past few years that, you know, I am, you know, my successes, you know, I, I, you know, are, are a major part as a result of the people who care about me, you know, the, you know, the things that I've been able to accomplish as is almost a direct result of you know, uh, you know, people, you know, rooting for me, people, you know, uh, you know, the, the things that I've been able to do are the, the result of, you know, what, the, what people have done for me. And so just the idea of, you know, you know, Neo isn't the one he is part of, you know, of a, of a dyad, you know, he's part of a couple, like, you know, he's nothing without you, know, without Trinity. Right. You know, he's not able to do what he's able to do without her. And, right. I, and I felt that, you know, that, that, you know, Lana making that overt in this movie uh, was, was excellent. It was powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I felt like Trinity, especially at the end in that final scene with the, what's his name? The analyst. The analyst. Yeah. Like where she's just kicking the shit out of them. Like, uh, there's a, there's a nice little callback where uh, she mentions earlier in the movie, she's like, I would want to, to kick him not too hard just enough to not uh, break his jaw that's right which, which he does to the analyst which is great <laughs> while neo just pets a cat yeah um no yeah i i mean it's something that was like subtext in the original film that becomes the text in the new film so yeah you're absolutely right it's a course correction it's it's like it's like lana and her collaborators david mitchell co-wrote the script and there was a third writer whose name now escapes me but it's like they with some distance understand what they understand her past work even better you know it feels like a filmmaker like oh this is the story i was telling another thing to to go back to the trans allegory that i thought was really interesting this time out is um the fact that although they see themselves as keanu reeves and carrie ann moss nobody else does like yeah and there's that scene where she's talking to neo because she played the matrix games and asked her husband don't you think that looks like me and her husband laughed at her and i don't think we fully understand yet what's going on 
but it's because he literally sees you know somebody completely different he doesn't right. see the real her he sees tiffany which is like what's her what her name is in the matrix right and then bugs's story about seeing him and seeing through the disguise to who he actually was and how that set her free yeah and set her on her own path of discovery which i thought was really powerful and um moving so uh, just i loved this movie so much it made me so happy um did you want to talk about the action sequences a little bit? We were talking about it before we recorded, how they're a yeah. little bit different this time out. Yeah, the the action sequences are are more sort of in vogue with what we're used to as an audience uh, with action movies lately. You know, you're, the, the Jason Bourne movies, like the James Bond movies, it's sort of like this sort of chaotic steady cam action where it's hard sort of like to follow like what's going on. Um, whereas, you know, the original films, are they're, they're framed very... Uh, intentionally so that you can see like so you can see almost everything that's happening right um and i thought that that was an interesting choice on on lana's part not to not not just like okay well this is what's popular now let's go ahead and do that and rather than this is what's popular now like i'm going i'm making an intentional choice to give you that because that's what you know audience expect from an action movie now Right, which plays into the meta thing of where everybody's sitting around talking about what the Matrix right. is. What makes the Matrix be. the Matrix. Right, and we're also dealing with an upgraded version of the Matrix that doesn't have that green tint anymore. The skies are actually blue, like the colors are more vibrant. So like, it would also make sense that fighting would look a little bit different there too. Um, yeah, it's a, like you said, it's a, it's a major overhaul. Uh, so, you know, they, like you said, like almost nothing looks the same even sort of like the analyst talks about how and i thought this was um uh pretty apt he, he, he essentially sort of um describes like the feeling and the attentions behind like you know doom scrolling like go, getting on social media and like wanting to like find things to like be disgusted about or like be outraged at right uh and how that that fuels people. And he's like, you know, once we figured out that, you know, you know, that's what, that's how we got energy out of you people. That's when we really cranked it up. And like, I mean, yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Like, you know, uh, you know, the person who is serene and at peace and, uh, you know, understands like their position in life, you know, isn't, you know, doesn't have that sort of same, like, you know, frantic energy that someone who you know like uh on on both sides of the political spectrum uh that's always seems to be angry about something right and and feeling like the world's about to end right <clears throat> so yeah i um i i i really loved it it's um i i i haven't paid a lot of attention to a lot of the criticism coming out of it uh what what are what are people what are you seeing uh folks are saying that it's like sort of redundant that it's pointless that it doesn't add anything new and i you know i feel like it's you know people were expecting you know the matrix 2.0 like another sort of you know because i granted like you know with reload and, and revolutions like okay well we're getting sequels like you know like we know what to expect with sequels right with this movie with resurrections coming out 20 years after the fact 
you know, we were expecting a sort of like, you know, a reboot, you know, that, and based on what, you know, the matrix did something along those lines, you know, we're expecting a new bullet time. And that's it. Then they talk about that in the fucking movie. Like then the, in the, in like the sort of like in the dev group, they're talking about like, you know what this, we need a new bullet time. We need a new bullet time. We need a new bullet time. <laughs> like Lana knows exactly like what you motherfuckers are expecting. And she subverts all of it. Yeah, it gets and- something, gives, gives us something that I was not like, walking into the movie theater expecting to find a fantastic love story. That was that is absolutely not what I was expecting when I walked in to watch the Matrix Resurrections is to watch a moving and profound story about two people that love each other. Across that, time and across space. time and space. Yes. Yeah, it's I I mean, I've always been a sucker for a big good, uh, a love story well told. And this one feels especially inclusive, even though it's technically a story of a man and a woman, but like, I don't know, knowing who made it and seeing some of the other couples in the movie and just, I don't know, it just makes me so happy that it exists. I'm in a world where most movies are franchises at this point to see something this with this big of a budget feel this personal isn't something I've seen in a long time. And it makes me very happy. I think Christopher Nolan's maybe the only filmmaker who gets to make, you know, the movie movies that, about the movie that they want to make, like right. through and through. Right. Um, and Tarantino too, I guess those yeah. two guys. But 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 even his stuff, I'd say, is more like mid-budget. It's not like massive sci-fi yeah. spectacle like Christopher Nolan's movies right. tend to be. Um, so just seeing that and seeing it be such a life-affirming thing at such a dark moment that of all things that that could come out of a matrix movie you know which is a cyberpunk artifact right um that human connection and love or sentient connection and love because it's not just the the humans right the 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 machine characters are also capable of affection and love now so it's or they already were but now they're you know working together creating io instead of uh, zion and everything it's, love it i love it so goddamn much yeah, so and, happy it exists. Um, and this this movie comes out. Uh, you know, this movie is made after the Wachowskis had lost, you know, their parents, and you know, and it's actually dedicated to them. Uh, you watch the end credits; it's dedicated to them. And the quote uh, with that dedication is, "Love is the genesis of everything," mm-hmm. which you know, like it's like watching, like you know, watching that. Like reading that after watching this movie, it's like, I don't know, man. Like it hit me like, you know, and I, you know, you know, watched it with you. I watched it with my son and my wife, my wife sitting next to me. And I just kept looking over at her and just like kept giving her like little kisses and telling her I loved her because, you know, that's, that's what love stories are supposed to do, right? They're supposed to like, you know, help you feel that way, help you feel, feel like you're in love. Um, and like, yeah, I, I can. And what's crazy is like, I, you know, maybe 20 years ago, I would have no idea why people didn't like this movie. Now I know exactly why people don't like it because it, it wasn't what they expected. It wasn't what they wanted. And, you know, there was a lot of times that I didn't like something because of that reason, uh, rather than enjoying it for, you know, judging it on the merits of, you know, what it is rather than what I wanted it to be. And, 
you know, like I said, I had no, like, I, I walked in with, with the expectation that I hope I like it. I hope this is a good movie. You know, like right. it, it shouldn't be, uh, you know, like, you know, the Wachowskis don't really have, you know, you know, for the most part, I, I have enjoyed, you know, their output. So, you know, I was walking in like, you know, at worst I'll, I'll feel lukewarm about it. Right. But I, yeah, I walked out thinking like that was, that was a great movie. One, it was an interesting movie too. And it was, uh, like you said, a very life affirming movie, uh, which is crazy for, uh, a, you know, a movie about, you know, uh, like you said, like cyberpunk aesthetic, you know, like computers and dystopia. Yeah. And then ones and zeros. <laughs> but, what a yeah. Christmas gift they gave us. I, yeah, I, I love matrix resurrections. Um, Love to hear your thoughts on on the trilogy and the new movie. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Fandom Universe. Uh, Fan- I'm sorry, at Fandom U Podcast. Uh, that's also our, our email account, Fandom U Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, but yeah, so like I I've missed uh, I've missed doing this, uh, and we will be back in just a couple of weeks. We'll be back on January 12th, where we will be discussing the original Scream trilogy. Speaking of you know, 90s franchises that are coming back. Uh, we got a new screen movie coming out in January. And we thought like, you know, what, uh, what, a what, a IP that's ripe for the sort of, the sort of discussion that we have, you know, with its deconstructionist nature and it's sort of like metatextual, like, I, I you know, um, creation. It's true. So yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. We wanted to drop this little, uh, you know, we, we were thinking of doing a uh, like a, a full on arc for the Matrix, but we're like we're old and we need some time off. So yeah, we really needed the break, but we're uh, we're back. So thank you so much for listening. My name is Sergio. I'm Sean. Be kind to yourself and each other.